Hello, I'm Kira, and I'll be doing the scripture reading today. It's from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, from the Message Translation. First this, God created the heavens and earth, all you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, and inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. God spoke light, and light appeared. And God saw that light was good, and separated light from dark. God named the light day, and he named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning, day one. Well, thank you, Kira, and welcome, friends. I'm Rob, if we haven't met yet, and I'd love to meet you when we can be back together, but I'm glad you're here with us today. And can you believe that just one week ago, it was Easter, and if you live near where I live, then it was snowing on Easter I mean, crazy does not begin to describe it. But a couple other words have come to mind as I've talked with people um, in the past few weeks. Strange, uncertain, anxious. Those are just what a lot of people are feeling these days. Yet some people are feeling hope, peace, and life. Even in the midst of quarantine. And if you're feeling hope and peace and life, then do you know where those feelings are coming from? Do you know what's giving you that? And if you're not feeling those things, well, do you know how you can? Now, since I'm a pastor, you're probably thinking the answer is Jesus or the Bible, and you'd probably be right, but hang with me for a minute. Because I don't know what your relationship is with. God's word, and how often you think about it or what you know about it. But when I was a kid, I didn't really understand what the Bible had to do with my life. And as a teenager, I tried to read it, but I still didn't understand how it was going to work in my life or how it would work in my life. And even as a young adult, as I trusted Christ, I thought the way to having God work more effectively in my life was understanding more of the Bible in my life. And yet, after years of practice and school and study, I've finally come to accept that understanding is not the key to life and hope and peace with God. Don't misquote me. I mean, understanding does help. It's just not the key. See, if I couldn't say the answer was Jesus and you press me up against the wall, I'd probably say that receptiveness is key. Can you and can I receive God's word and a word from God? This series that we are embarking on is about receptiveness to God's word and a word from God. It's an invitation into mystery, into uncertainty, into engagement and saying yes to God where God already might be at work, even if you're unaware of it. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk really slowly through the first chapter of Genesis for the next seven Sundays. We're going to look at the days of creation, not as an argument against evolution or the only new beginning, but instead as a way to see and step into every new beginning that God might have for us. So if you're ready, let's go. 
As Kira read, it said that in the beginning there was darkness and the earth was formless and empty. And I love how Eugene Peterson translated it in the message translation. It was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. The Hebrew word that is used to describe this nothingness, emptiness, and blackness is tovu vavohu. Say it with me, tovu vavohu. It's an awesome word to say. Before anything else, there was tovu vavohu. But what does that really mean? I would say that tovu vavohu was what the women and the other disciples felt on that Friday that we now call good. On that painful and grief-filled Saturday, and even on that first Sunday morning when things were black, there was darkness, there was uncertainty that surrounded them. I would say that Tova Vavohu describes where we currently are right now with this COVID-19 pandemic that we can't seem to figure out and there doesn't seem to be an end to. You could say that Tovu Vavohu is trying to crisis school your kids when your children miss their teachers and you don't have any patience left. Or it's working from home while you try to care for and help the people that live in your house and everybody wants you all at the same time and you feel both isolated and suffocated. That's Tovu Vavohu. In my life, it's having your water heater go out three weeks after your furnace goes out. But... Even worse than that, it's the drive home after you've been let go of your job and you find out you don't qualify for unemployment. Tovu Vavohu is being told your pregnancy has complications or you can't get pregnant. Tovu Vavohu is being told your baby's not viable. It's being told your 16-year-old baby has inoperable brain cancer. Tovu Vavohu is hearing your parents' marriage is over or your marriage is over. If Tovu Vavohu is anything, it's finding yourself in the dark when you think you're in the light. It's too powerful for us to fight. It's too dark for us to see and it's too mysterious for us to find our way out all by ourselves. And if you're there, I want you to hear, no matter how dark the darkness is, there is something else that exists at the beginning that is there in the midst of all the uncertainty that's hovering right over the darkness, and it's the Spirit of God. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. That word in Hebrew is ruach, which is another fun word to say. It very literally means wind or breath. And don't think of it as like this light breeze. Think of it as this blast of breath. God created and formed the human and then ruached into that being, and it became living. It's always moving and always bringing life. The Ruach describes life and holds it together. Ruach is life, and Tovu Vavohu is the absence of life. The psalmist described it this way in Psalm 104, if you turned your back meaning God, they die in a minute. Take back your spirit and they die. They revert to original mud. Send out your spirit and they spring to life. The whole countryside is in bloom and blossom. And the God who hovers over the waters of chaos and darkness is at the beginning, every beginning. And he's still inviting us into something new 
in something beautiful. And it's out of the darkness and the chaos. See, in the middle of that darkness, God speaks, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then God separated the light from the darkness. Notice the order of how that happens. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning the first day. And I always picture when God said, let there be light, that he grabbed something like solar snow and he packed it really tight and good and big and then threw it up in the air and then voila, we had the sun. And then he repeated this over and over and threw up all of these things and that's how we got the stars. And then I read a little more carefully in the story of the first beginning The sun and the stars aren't created until day four. So we have to ask, what is the light on day one if the sun and the stars aren't created until day four? So now switch from my solar snow picture to sewing or knitting a blanket or a garment together. One side looks really nice and the other side looks okay, but you can see all of the stitching and the threads. Well, to understand phrases like, let there be light and this darkness and chaos, we have to turn it over and see where all the threads and stitches go. In this case, where else in scripture we see this phrase, let there be light, or just the word light. So uh, if you have a Bible at home and you're okay with writing in it, you might want to take out your Bible, go to Genesis 1 and circle light and circle darkness. And then put a little sign or marking, not a sign, a marking that says Exodus 10. Because when we flip over to Exodus 10, that's the very next time we see the words darkness and light used. And in order for Exodus 10 to mean something to us, we need a little context. So let's go back. After the creation, the beautiful creation started, and then the ravaging consequences of sin, God chose a couple who was ready to retire to join with him in another new beginning. If you know the story, then you know them as Abram and Sarai, who will become Abraham and Sarah, who will become this whole family or people of Israel. This extended family almost dies in a famine, which happens to be part of the story we'll look at next week. But for today, they... What God, God ended up using for good, what others intended for evil, and this family was not only saved, it grew up into its own nation with hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people safely under the protection of the most powerful country of that time, Egypt. And it was good for a long time, but it didn't stay good. After a few hundred years of living in Egypt, their living arrangement became slavery, physically and spiritually. And so the book of Exodus opens with the nation of Israel as slaves in Egypt. They cried out to be rescued by God because they are in tovu vavohu. They're in this darkness, this emptiness, this uncertainty, They don't know when it's going to be over and they are crying out to God and God probably seems like he is galaxies away. And yet, God is hatching something. 
According to the story of Genesis, a little plan begins to unfold. A plan that starts with courageous midwives who help deliver babies really quickly and one mother who can see something special and good about her child. Now, I don't mean good like a little better than okay, but not as good as best, but good like God called the light of the first day good even when it was in the darkness. See, good defined by God is always light-giving and life-giving. And so when that child's mother saw this good child, she could see light-giving and life-giving qualities in him. That good child is the one called Moses, and Moses had his own circuitous little journey to becoming the hero's sidekick in the story because really God's the hero. But there was this turning point that happened in his life when he was just doing his day job day in and day out with every day looking much like the last day. Does this sound familiar, people? He was in his own pandemic, I imagine. One day, though, he saw a burning bush. It was a special burning bush, and it was special because Moses took care of sheep in a remote desert wilderness where the sun was hot, vegetation was sparse, and so quite often these very dry bushes would catch on fire and burn up. On this particular day, he noticed the bush that was burning on fire, much like any other day, except this bush was not burning up. In fact, the light was not being extinguished. And so he went over to take a look. And that's when the God he heard about, the God he probably worshipped, the God he probably prayed to, became real and personal and holy all at the same time. And when that happened, Moses was forever changed. That was his new beginning, a new beginning that would lead him all the way back to Egypt to cooperate with God to bring those people out and give them a new beginning. But as we'll see in later weeks, when God invites us into a new beginning, there are usually forces of resistance. Let's remember that. In this case, there's a king of Egypt who does not want to lose his workforce. So God sends 10 plagues to help change Pharaoh's mind. Now, these plagues, usually, I read them as a story. I I mean, they could have happened, but they were just in some ancient story. And all of a sudden, during this pandemic, they became very real to me. All of a sudden, when I read about how the blood goes into the Nile River, I don't just picture a red little flowing body of water. I picture a water quality crisis much like even we've seen in our own country. And I picture how the, flag, the plagues of frogs and gnats and flies would have changed the way people lived and worked and went to school, much like our lives have changed in the same ways. And how the remaining plagues caused physical and economic pain and death. All of a sudden, the plagues became very real to me. But it's the ninth plague that connects to the light and the dark. It's in Exodus 10, 
verses 21 through 23. So again, if you want to circle these words, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, a darkness that can be felt. And so Moses stretched his hand towards the sky and a total darkness covered Egypt for three days. All of Egypt, no one could see anyone else or move about for three days. And yet, all of the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Again, you want to circle light, you want to circle darkness. These are the same words. There's a total darkness that's covered over the land. No one can see anything. It's a darkness, it says, that can be felt. I've been on some cave tours that go far enough under the ground that if they shut off the artificial lights, it is completely pitch black. You cannot see something to your hand two inches in front of your face. You lose kind of spatially where you are or how to get out. It's a very disorienting feeling. It's actually what I imagine hell to be like. Isolated and separated. And that is what is covering all Egypt. And yet, the Israelites have light in the places where they live. Which, what does that mean? Because if they had light from some candle or artificial substance, then the Egyptians could have come and taken it. So what is it? Well, it's the thread that we've been talking about from Genesis 1. The same kind of light that God sees in the darkness, he calls it good, and then he separates it out from that darkness. And we see this continue throughout the Bible in John 1, verses 1 through 5, or what is on your screen, 4 and 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Same Word. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a similar light to the courage of that first Easter, those women who went into the darkness of Jesus' tomb and didn't know how they were going to roll the stone away and didn't know what they were going to find, but the Spirit of God was hovering in that moment, like the angels speaking in that first resurrection, saying, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. That is light into the darkness. And if you follow the thread all the way through, you come to Revelation 21, 23, where it says that the city, this new city that God creates, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. This is the thread that we see in day one, and this is a new beginning. Now, maybe you have a hard time believing that it was a literal, physical darkness. But again, if it was a physical light, it could have been stolen or copied. But if you're having a hard time believing that, just consider for a moment if it's metaphorical. Still very real, but this darkness and light is a metaphor, as in the darkness is a metaphor for the uncertainty and the adversity and the misery of not being able to see anyone or get up or leave their house. Do you know what I'm talking about, friends? Yes, this is where we are now. But the light could also be a metaphor for the life and knowledge and hope that there's something beyond the darkness, or in our case, that there's something beyond this coronavirus pandemic and the stay-at-home orders, that there's new beginnings that are still happening in our life, that our ultimate success is not dependent on my 
influence or the economy or how long this pandemic lasts, that I have security and peace that come from outside of that, that would be a light into the darkness. See, can you see how the ancient story becomes our story? And like the day one moment, the light is already being separated from the darkness. The Israelites have light and they are being separated from the Egyptians. And just four chapters later, Israel is freed from Egypt. That is the ancient story. But what about our story? What about you and me and all of us? See, if we're going to embrace all the new beginnings that God desires to do in us, we have to stop believing this lie that God is hovering up here and he only comes down to visit us after you've cleaned out your crap, after you've cleaned up your act and at least look like you have it all together. Somehow we've come to believe that God only comes to fixed people. No. Day one moments are about crying out and asking to be rescued. See, we're in day one when we recognize and even admit our inability to free ourselves and instead call out to this God in the darkness and then we watch for the light. And it happens over and over and over. The light will come because God is there. He's hovering, he's close, and he's filled with compassion. Have you asked him what new light is breaking through in your life these days? Because God speaks and says, let there be light in the middle of that darkness. And the light is him himself. He doesn't need a power source. He doesn't burn out. No one can steal it. That light was in the beginning with God and it will be there into eternity. Our eternity when we say yes to Jesus. Because Jesus is the light. Friends, this is where we have hope today. Even in the midst of the tovu vavohu that you are experiencing. God is there. Where do you need to sense his presence today? See, I think that God is starting something new in the midst of this pandemic. And maybe, have you asked him what you've lost? Have you named it? And have you asked him if you need it? I think many of us are losing things that we don't need in the midst of this pandemic And that we'll find out that we don't need on the other side of it. And when we do, we'll be, not only will we be renewed, we'll be closer to God and the people and things that God cares about. So we ask him. And if you've never done that before, I think there's a great practice called the prayer of examine that we can do to see and open up our eyes to God more and more every day. It starts with just a couple of questions, usually at the end of your day, where you ask God to direct your mind and his spirit to direct and discern where he's been at work today. You think about what happened in your day. You ask the spirit to bring things that you need to, to attention. And say things like, where did I feel most alive today? Where did I feel the most drained today? Where is God in the midst of both of those things? Where did I give love? Where did I receive love? Where did I withhold it? 
All these questions are actually on a sheet that we have on our website that we, if we can post in the comments, we will. Uh, but these are questions to help us understand, again, where God is working in our lives so that we can see those new beginnings. And I pray that as we journey through these days of creation, we'll experience Jesus more and more because he is the light of the world. So will you pray with me? God, we come to you in the midst of whatever tovu vavohu we're experiencing. God, and when we're, in, when we're in it, it is miserable. It is difficult. It raises up fear and anxiety. And I don't want to just shove those things out of the way because for some people, they need to know that you're in it with them, not you're in it when you take them out. But God, that's exactly what your story says, that in the midst of the darkness, you speak light and you are there. And I pray that people would know that you are there for them wherever they're at today, whatever they're experiencing. But not only that, God, that you speak life and you want to separate them out of that tovu vavohu. You want to lead them into places of light and life. And Jesus, we celebrate Easter because you did that. You gave up your life so that we could receive life. And that life can never be manufactured and can never be copied and can never be taken away. But it can be abundantly shared over and over and over. That's who you are, God, and that's what you do. We want to experience that hope and life and peace in our lives every day, no matter what comes our way. So God, will you speak to us? Jesus, will you become the center of our lives and central to who we are and what we do and how we live. Amen.